Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. It is indeed uh, time for Movies and Booze. You can uh, get in contact via WhatsApp 087 1400 106. You can send us uh, an email to afternoon at newstalk.com or text to 53106 that will cost you 30 cent and just in case you were wondering uh, the person who shot JR was Kristen Shepherd, who was played by Mary Crosby who like really barely remember her or don't remember her at all but I suppose at the time that was I remember it was kind of disappointing because everybody hoped it might be a kind of a, a major type character anyway we are joined by Jean Smollin uh, Fanula Jones and Esther McCarthy good afternoon to you all hello hi guys uh, Jean do you remember when JR got I shot I do and I remember that and then, and then I remember when somebody fell asleep and it was all a dream Yes, that was, that, that was yeah. later on. That was later on. That was something. That else. was to get Bobby back in. That was to get Bobby back yeah. in. Yeah, but yeah, I do remember everybody was really, really disappointed because uh, yeah, the plot line because they couldn't have any of the major guys. Do no, because they have to get rid of them. Yeah, and so um, she was, and, and I think wasn't she related to Bing Crosby in some way? I vaguely remember that, or I could be wrong. Oh, there. Mary Crosby could be. Yeah, I yeah. think there was some connection. But anyway, um, yeah, and it was that was the biggest biggest news. I mean, everyone oh, yeah. was glued. It could have been a know? war and it would have been less Absolutely. news. Absolutely. That was yeah. that was like Absolutely. <laughs> this is before you were, literally the before innocent. you were born. I have no idea oh, what you're talking was, about, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Dallas, like, do you remember there used to be a TV show? Yeah, ask your parents. I remember, the sh- I remember the shower thing, but uh, he's like, wakes up, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. didn't know the, the shooting thing, so there you go. Yeah, huge but it was, thing. It was, it was, it, everyone was glued. Those were the days when families used to sit on couches and watch television together. I know, you know? Well, well, I'm glad those days are over. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, me too. excruciating. Yeah, yeah talk through the whole thing and say I missed that what happened no, there my mother would be oh. my mother would be sitting there like rustling her copy of the Irish Catholic pretending not to watch you know and tutting but actually watching the whole thing you know that kind of a way oh god save us tonight what uh, wine are okay, we drinking today we're, we've got California and actually I haven't featured Californian wines for a long long time one called bread and butter and it certainly is buttery it's a Chardonnay and a really great value Bordeaux um, it's, it's, it's basic it's a basic Bordeaux but by god it's won so many awards and it really punches way above its weight. So we're looking at um, California and France today. Okay, yeah. So I can see uh, that's a 2019 Bordeaux. So that's not bad. And it's yeah. a platinum gold, uh, platinum medal winner in uh, in the decanter awards. That's mega to do that. Okay, good for them. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So uh, uh, Esther has uh, still not with us at the uh, at the moment. A little bit of a technical uh, whoopsie. I'm getting a finger in a good way. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Esther, how are you? Hi, Sean. How's things? Oh, my God, you're on the phone. How, how quaint. Uh, all right, so uh, <laughs> what, what are the two films we're talking about today? It's 1992, Sean. Yeah. Um, who shot JR, Esther? <laughs> <laughs> well, this fellow went in for a shower. No, I won't, I won't give it all away. Um, my Sailor, My Love. We've got a new Irish cinema this week, I think, for the week that's in it, and everyone heading off to the Oscars um, and, and the buzz around the country at the moment of excitement, I think, about our... 14 nominees. Uh, so I thought we'd look to more Irish films and what's coming next in Irish cinema. So we have My Sailor, My Love, um, starring the great, great Brie Brennan uh, and James Cosmo, Catherine Walker. This is really good. Uh, it's a family-orientated drama about what happens, I suppose. You know when you, you know that person in the family who ends up caring for the older relative? It always seems to come down to one person uh, and the kind of issues and resentment that can sometimes harbour in a family. Uh, it, it looks at that in really interesting ways, in really Irish ways, I think, because um, this man who's been cared for 
uh, James Cosmo plays him by uh, by his daughter, who's played by Catherine Walker, decides um, that he's going to up sticks and not go into her plan for a nursing home care for him and embark in actually a romance with his housekeeper. So it's really interesting how this kind of upends the whole ageing process uh, and narrative, I, I suppose. And then we have also got Marlowe, uh, which is Neil Jordan's film, um, adapted from John Banville's novel written under his pen name, Benjamin Black. It was about nearly 10 years ago now, which he channeled the spirit of Philip Marlowe. Of course, the character made famous. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll we'll. Uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> 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 wow. Okay. So uh, we will we'll get Esther back, and we will be talking to Esther in, in the next segment of the program. She'll just be shouting out her window uh, <laughs> at that point. So I uh, talk. She did mention the Oscars. Yes. So give us a what's what do we know? It's going to be Jimmy Kimmel again, is yes, it? Yes. He's hosting for the third time. Uh, he is going to be addressing last year's slapgate between Will Smith and Chris Rock. It was. That was confirmed this week. Uh, there was an executive producer, Molly McNerney. You see, when they reporters. say addressing, well, is he going to make a heartfelt speech or is no, he just going to make a few gonna be, gags it's about gonna it? Be, there's going to be a few gags. I think he said in interviews that, like, obviously we've heard so much material before, but, like, there's th- other places they can take it, apparently. I'm kind of over it, but we'll see. Um, one of the executive producers behind the show has said, like, that it is going to be very much a thing of, like, they're going to address it and they're going to move on. Like, they are not going to keep referencing it so hopefully it'll be up the top and then uh, finish but what I thought was interesting was like the repercussions of it are still being felt with the ceremony so like usually there's a tradition that the previous year's winners for best actor and best actress present to this year's winners right and Will Smith Smith won last year but he's banned for the next 10 years so he can't do it Um, so there'll be someone else presenting I don't think we have confirmation on who um, that is yet we also have a new carpet this year it's champagne Campaign colour instead of red. Very exciting. Okay. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Rihanna is going to be performing. Someone who isn't is Lady Gaga, even though she's nominated for Best Songs. So that kind of makes me feel like she's not going to win. She did the song for Top Gun Maverick. That sounds like a lot of goats bleeding at the start for anyone who has heard it. So it kind of makes me think maybe Rihanna <laughs> will win. If you've heard the song, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Lady Gaga is obviously filming Joker 2 at the minute so she's yeah. too busy essentially yeah. um, oh, someone else who won't be there uh, Vladimir Zelensky uh, there was a request put in if he could like address in whatever an address or and maybe it, he's going to give away the best actor may, uh, there you go that, there's a that, gap that there a... um, but apparently so they'd asked to have him there the, uh, the previous year and they said no and they asked again this year and they were also declined as well which that seemed yeah. to be politicising it I yeah, suppose a yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, and then obviously we had the Oscar White party took place last night which is like the big shindig for the Irish talent and kind of really kicking things off for us over there um, and Colin Kewen was honoured obviously the first Irish language film ever nominated for an Academy Award for Best International Feature and then also honoured on the night we had Kerry Condon who's obviously up for Banshees of Inisherin, Jesse Buckley who was previously nominated but you can see her right now in Women Talking and Eve Hewson uh, got an award for Best Rising Talent but someone who hasn't had the best luck on the way over to sunny LA Barry Keoghan um, his luggage was lost on the way over Ooh. and he was kind of and usually I roll my eyes when celebs give out about airlines on social media right but this is like his first Oscars in which he's nominated um, and he was talking about how he packed kind of something sentimental I think to wear at the ceremony but basically his luggage is lost and he's saying British Airways oh, haven't been very helpful about it he said he was sent back to LAX he went to LAX they were like we can't help you so and as far as I can see that hasn't been resolved yet so fingers crossed 
someone stuck an air tag in somewhere and it turns up. Uh, but, Maybe yeah. Dunn's can fly him out a replacement suit or Maybe, something like yeah. that. You know, you'd be throwing <laughs> a pair of flip flops. Yeah, I don't think he'll be short of clothes anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. Well, yeah. No, you'd be paying for it. You see, yeah. Would they get those clothes for free? Ah, uh, yeah, there's definitely a thing of like the designers lend them or whatever. But the way his, I think it was a tweet that he had out. I think he said that, he, yeah, he said here in LA for the Oscars and had tons of sentimental stuff I wanted to wear and bring with me. So I don't know if it's something to do maybe with his son Brando or like his family or whatever in a way to honour them on the red card. You, you yeah, can't replace yeah, that stuff, yeah, you know what I mean? But, oh yeah. God, that's a shame. Yeah, so yeah. fingers crossed it does turn up. Yeah, yeah, that is a shame. Right, so yeah. Jean, tell us about our first right, wine today. Right, right, we're going to go for it. The first one is the 2020 Bread and Butter Chardonnay. It retails at 22 euro and it's in the in- independent off-licence so you'll get it in O'Donovan's in Cork, Devney's in Dundrum, uh, Wheelahan Wines in Lachlanstown, Redmond's in Ranala, Higgins of Klonski. So, um, so, um, North America. Um, I, I've, I've been doing so much work with South America over the years that I don't really, I, I, I kind of lost sight of California. Um, the history of North America is very different to the South America, obviously. South America, most of the um, people making wine originate from the Iberian Peninsula. In North America, it, you know, it, it was very, very much broader um, um, sort of population. But I mean, from 1919 to 1933, it had prohibition and that really just scuppered the whole a blow to the industry, industry I yeah, imagine. Yes. Completely, you know. Um, but post 1933 um, and, and in, in the 1970s, people like Francis Ford Coppola, speaking of movies, were one were, were, were the sort of people who actually started to, um, I suppose, develop the industry in California again and um, you know he was one of the founding fathers and um, there were so many um, amazing winemakers um, who who, who developed the industry today 90% of all um, wines produced in uh, America are are produced in California so um, what we have the, the difference the thing about California is a lot of the production is in the Central Valley. Um, the key areas are Napa, Sonoma, San Luis Obispo, you know, all, all the, those kind of premium areas. But a lot, a lot of the fruit comes from um, the Central Valley where it's it, a lot of just industrial farming. This, however, is slightly different. This is, this is a multi-regional blend, this wine, but the, but the wine actually comes from the Sonoma coast, which means it's, it's, it's close to the ocean and the impact that the ocean has on winemaking in California is quite phenomenal because you have the cooling breezes coming off meeting the hot air from the land and the fog forms and that brings down it cools down the vineyards so anything grown along the coastal region tends to be better better in terms of quality so what we have here is um, uh, a winery owned by a Benberg family group the winemaker is Linda Trotter Um, this is good fruit. It's all about value for money and their kind of marketing strategy is don't overthink it. It's just a great glass of wine. And what what this is, is a very classic Chardonnay. It says bread and butter. And one of the characteristics you'll get from Chardonnay is that buttery, buttery characteristic yep. when it's aged in wood. And certainly you're getting this now. The other thing about the 2020 vintage, which this wine is, the wildfires, how quickly we forget. That was the first year Gosh, yeah. they had the wildfires in 2019, but they managed to get all the grapes in before it. So there wasn't that much cork um, smoke taint. But 2020, do you remember there was there, there was a whole town that burnt down? Yeah. And it was it was really, really dramatic in 2020. So it ended up being a terrible year for the Californian producers. However, it, I mean, obviously it didn't impact on the this wine at all, you know, the, 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 the wine is fine. What you're getting in this, it's lush and ripe with a lot of buttery notes. And if you stick your nose in there, you're just getting 
that buttery, creamy vanilla just screaming mm. out of the glass. And then when you try it, it's very ripe. Vanilla bean, almonds, ripe tropical fruit. Um, dare I say it's a smoky finish. But Yes, not I know. It might be tasteless finish. to say that in yes, the circumstances. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's like a really good example. If you like full-bodied, ripe, buttery Chardonnay, then this is one to go for. So Indie Independence, 22 euro. And I mean, I love this style of wine. It's just, this does it for me. So it's fabulous wine as far as I'm concerned. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Was your lover the sort of man to disappear with you as a lover? Normally they don't disappear easily. No, I bet they don't. They stay around. Climb trellises, scenes in restaurants, lie down on the road, promise you anything. Oh, I know how it goes. Do you lie down in the road, Mr. Marlowe? Drink. There you go. Uh, that's Marlowe. Uh, Esther, is this just on Sky or is it uh, is it going to get a cinematic release? It's a it's a joint release. It's getting a cinematic release here as well as on Sky and now. Uh, so you'll have you're going to okay. see a lot more of this, I think, in the future. I'm seeing it coming through a lot more. Even, you know, even the likes of Netflix and Prime are doing theatrical releases now as well. Um, I just think they're extra revenue. You know, it's like the old days when people brought a movie out in the cinema and then they brought it out in DVD and you bought it for your kids for Christmas. It just kind of makes sense, really, to find the audiences you can where you can, you know. Mm. Uh, OK, so uh, so but it's not it, it, I suppose he's, it's probably all out of copyright now anyway, uh, all, all the Marlowe stories. So it's kind of appropriated a bit. Well, I suppose this one is an adaptation of something that was appropriated a bit as well, because it, it's um, John Banville's novel uh, written under the pen name Benjamin Black in 2014. He wrote a novel called The Black, Black Eyed Blonde. You know, when really famous novelists kind of are, you know, given permission from an estate to kind of revisit a character from mm. a very, a very famous um, writer, in this case, of course, Raymond Chandler. So, it was, you know, it's 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 Philip Marlowe, but it's less than a decade ago, which is what's interesting about it. I think it's worth saying as well, like I think for the weekend that's in it and all the buzz for the Irish at the Oscars, like there were p- people that blazed trails and Neil Jordan's one of them, you know, uh, won uh, six nominations for The Crying Game. Um, and actually, I've got six nominations at Crying Game and actually won for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, not least, I'd say, for that twist, Sean. Do you remember that twist in the yeah, Crying Game? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, everyone I remember does. going to this. It's, it's up there with I See Dead People, I think. And I remember uh, actually going to cinema with a few friends yeah. who, and it's, one of them actually falling out of the, her chair in shock. It's the most, most famous Mickey in movie history. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, um yeah, so it's worth just revisiting. Fanula is now uh, f- frantically googling what the hell I'm talking about. Oh my God, Fanula! If you haven't seen it, like don't Google anything. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, so is this, this set, is set in in, in yeah. that era? It's 1930s Hollywood type stuff. It's set in California, 1939. Yeah. Very noirish. Everyone has nice hats. Um, and was fooling me throughout because I was trying to spot locations. I was going, is that that really nice old lift in the Shelburne? <laughs> I think it is. And there, there's a lot of it obviously set in Hollywood and very glamorous old school Hollywood. And I went, is that that army barracks up in Dublin 8? I think it might be, but they're very good here at disguising. And I had to kind of wait till the end credits to find out that it was actually shot in Ireland, partly, and in Barcelona, partly, hmm. which is also doing a very good job at hiding the fact 
um, that it's 1930s California. I don't think you could have done it all here. We just don't have the weather to fool people. Yes. That is, you know, that is California. But so Mario's in his office and, he, and, and Diane Kruger, who I love on screen, she's always so good. Uh, she plays this character called Mrs. Cavendish, who hires him. Uh, to find so everyone's in this town is either famous or trying to be famous or hustling or you know scamming in some way it's kind of a, a, a kind of a rye takes a rye eye I think at the dark side of Hollywood so she's this rich heiress who has a lover she has she her, has a husband as well who's a very nasty and aggressive kind of man and she's wealthy so she kind of gets to do what she wants um, and he's honestly he's more in love to drink than anyone else anyway um, so she has this lover by the name of Nico Peterson who has disappeared and she hires Marlowe to take him on uh, take on the case and find out what's going on so we get to meet a whole heap of characters then um, you know who may have had affairs with him may have had business dealings with him in, at one stage it's implied maybe that he was involved in a Mexican crime cartel so he's kind of unravelling all this Marlowe and trying to figure out what's going on all the while, every woman he meets wants to sleep with him because mm-hmm. that's the character he is. And um, yeah, a lot of the action centres around this place called a cabana club. It's a kind of glamorous joint that the lovers used to frequent. And then it kind of b- builds on there and, and, you know, there are kind of tentacles, I suppose, going out then in, into Mexican crime over the border um, and, and what's going on there and whether Peterson was involved in it. So we've got some Irish actors having a blast here as well, including um, the very glamorous 1930s uh, star Mandy Toxdale, who's played by Shauna Kerslake. Um, she's a very cheeky type who kind of, she's a full on movie star and, and she used to hire Peterson as her agent. Um, she describes him interestingly as the kind of man who likes a conquest, not a relationship. And so it does emerge that um, there are lots of women who know bits and snippets of information about Peterson. So that's kind of where you are here. Um, I think it's the type of material, tone lead, that Neil Jordan can be actually quite good at. I, I'm a big fan, um, but I really like his old school melancholy, glamour, sadness films, mostly told through a wry eye. I think he does them really successfully. I think The End of the Affair um, with Ray Fiennes and Julianne Moore is probably one of his most underrated films and one of my favourites. So it's going for that kind of vibe here again. And he's surrounded himself with great people, like he's, as well as Neeson, Kruger. And, and, you know, Liam Neeson has the sense to have written into his character here a few times as well, that he's getting a bit old for this. So it's not like one of these action movies where mm-hmm. you're supposed to believe, you know, what clearly is impossible. So when he does take down a couple of uh, people who seem to be wanting to kill him for no apparent reason, he does actually sigh and say, I'm getting a bit old for this. Uh, so that kind of works well. And then, you know, you have a great cast, Diane Kruger, I love. Jessica Lang, the legendary Jessica Lang, plays Diane Kruger's mother's character. Um, super bitchy, wealthy, married to an oil baron, uh, gets what she wants, usually gets what she wants, and tries to end up try ends up trying to pay off um Chandler or Marlowe to kind of take down her daughter in a way. So that's kind of he's so he's really going, what's going on here now, you know? Mm. So it, um, it also has Colin Meany in there and it has a really good screenplay writer as well, like top, top notch, uh, written for screen by William Monaghan. 
uh, who wrote the Oscar winning screenplay for Martin Scorsese's The Departed. So you're in serious territory here. Mm. Um, but it doesn't always quite work. And, you know, it's beautiful looking as you expect a Neil Jordan film to be. Um but it's just, it's almost a bit too laconic in style or something. Well, I mean, it, sound, I, it sounds very much like a, a bog standard Raymond Chandler uh, story. Now, that's insulting Raymond Chandler stories. You know, that what you described is the sort of thing that happens. There's lots of quips thrown in. There's, you know, it's quite dark. So, like, has, has either John Banville or Neil Jordan added anything to it? I mean, I had good company with it, I will say. I think mm. what elevates it and makes it watchable is the cast. Um, yeah. and, uh, and the jibes uh, and the tit for that. I felt kind of distanced by the amount of story elements there were to it and how people were talking about other characters. It's very talky, which mm. I don't necessarily dislike at all, but I, it became a little bit distracting to me that people were talking about other people all the time. But I think as the story <laughs> builds... You work in the media. Uh, <laughs> you must be well used to people talking about other people all the time. <laughs> Bitching you. Um, but I just think once the action is off, though, and we're allowed to, more of the story is allowed to unveil, unfold on screen, it gets a lot better. I didn't, I did like this. I will say the majority of the reviews for this have been middling to mm, not great. Okay. I okay. did like it, though. I did like it. It's good looking. It's glossy. It's a nice distraction, you know? I, yeah. I did enjoy it for that. Yeah. Uh, Ed, uh, who's Andrata, says the bar scene in Marlowe was filmed in an Irish pub in Barcelona called the Michael Collins. I was on set for the week and it was an amazing experience. Liam Neeson is a gentleman. So there you go. That's ah, an inventive I've been use. I've in of... that pub, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, in your flip-flops. <laughs> saying, you're saying the Wolf Jones. Uh, the, uh, uh, going back to the Oscars, uh, someone says Jimmy Kimmel presenting. Another reason to not watch the Oscars. Uh, someone else says, so does that mean that Chris Rock gets the slap this year's presenter? Um, <laughs> lots of people have made uh, a similar suggestion uh, to that. Now, this is intriguing. Bob Odenkirk, Odenkirk, I should say, is going to be in a remake of The Room. Yes. The Room being, you should briefly explain to people how it's the worst movie of all time. Yeah, so The Room was made in 2003 by writer-director Tommy Wiseau, like this guy that just had this grand idea of making this kind of romantic drama that ended up kind of being a comedy because it was so so bad and it kind of earned this cult status as mm. like the worst movie in the world but then it started it got the success off of that and um, people would probably better know it from The Disaster Artist which came out yes. in yeah. uh, 2007 maybe a bit later than that actually I could have that wrong anyway uh, with the Franco brothers and that was very critically acclaimed very good movie if anyone hasn't seen that it kind of tells the story of how why they wanted to do it and this character of uh, Tommy Wiseau and why he wanted to make this movie I think we've anyway, interviewed Tommy Wiseau on the show actually and he seemed Completely oblivious to the fact that anyone thought it was a bad movie. Yeah, I, I still I still don't think he does, but I love that. I would love to live in that level of delusion. Seems like a nice yeah. guy. Anyway, uh, as you mentioned, Bob Odenkirk is uh, taking on the lead role of Johnny, which uh, Tommy played in the original for this remake. So there was t- t- uh, reports on this came out earlier this week, um, but it's actually for uh, charity. Uh, it's from, uh, the production's coming from Acting for a Cause, and it's this organisation that, you know, it teams up with various charitable causes and then 
ask for donations and it puts to on these like digital performances. Um, other people who've done it before, like Justice Smith, uh, Zazie Beats, Julie Fox, Alex Wolf. Um, this particular remake is raising funds for Amfar, which is a foundation for AIDS research. Um, but Tommy was old to know this was happening. Apparently, like he Variety got onto him and he was like, "Hey, what do you think of Bob Odenkirk and them doing this movie?" They had not heard about this at all. Oh. They only heard about it when the first re- reports came out. So I don't know if that's going to change is there a anything. Issue? Yeah, well, I don't know. But yeah. anyway, uh, no release date as of yet. But I'm very intrigued to see. Uh, Bob yeah, I am. But Johnny. you know what? It's it's if you deliberately to set out to make a bad film, that's much harder to do than accidentally making a bad film. That's the thing, I mean. exactly. And like Bob kind of said on social media, he's like, he's I, I tried my best to sell every line, but he just said he was like, I had so much fun. So yeah, twenty uh, seventeen was the disaster. Twenty seventeen, yes, I knew at a seven. Twenty or seven, you were what? <laughs> Junior infants. Yeah, but I was, yeah, I was, like I was a bit off. Yeah, I was yeah. a bit off. Uh, and Disney now is, is like Disney are basically going to reduce the amount of output. So is they're saying, right? So obviously Disney Plus lost like 2.4 million subscribers in the last three months of last Whoa, year. Okay, um, and it was their kind of first decline since their launch in 2019. Now Disney as a whole is still making loads of money because of the theme of parks course, and everything yeah. else. Uh, but yeah, so the Disney CEO Bob Iger was like talking this week about how they're kind of redeveloping their business plan for film and TV, and they're kind of going for they're going for an approach of like quality over quantity because he was kind of saying that yeah there seems to have been a bit of throwing everything at a wall particularly with some of the the franchises so he said like Marvel is going to still stay under them obviously and like Star Wars and Frozen but he said so his exact quote was what we have to look at at Marvel is not necessarily the volume of Marvel storytelling but how many times you go back to the well on certain characters and he said like sequels obviously do really well for them but he's kind of asking do we need to go back for a third or a fourth time which I would say no we don't no absolutely and I'm glad he's listening yeah um so yeah it'll be interesting to see whether this is kind of just all talked on whether it will actually be uh, yeah but if all the sequels are still making money well that's the thing and he's even acknowledging Mm. it that it's like they still make boatloads of money for us like so so he's going to go to the disney board and say my proposal is to make less money next year (laughs) Uh, um, i'm sure that'll go down really well movies and booze on moncrief on news talk uh, one texter says, I haven't seen The Room, but it can't be as bad as The Banshees of Inishirin. Uh I only read that out because I think it's not, wouldn't be a proper Irish send-off if he didn't have some bitter words from someone. What is, what is with The Banshees of Inishirin haters? Just yeah. be quiet. Let us have this, please. No, it's, it's maybe because they didn't quite, you know if you kind of hear something's fantastic and then you watch it and you go... Mm. I totally get that yeah. and I totally so understand that people that are like but I don't it's not a terrible movie I absolutely oh, no, cannot absolutely. agree with that no, no 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 it's an excellent movie but I say I watched um, Sunscreen I want to say but that's after Sunscreen sun. after Sunscreen <laughs> sun. <laughs> I, I, Did you not like it? I would not that I didn't like it, but I was I was left kind of indifferent by it. I loved it, and yeah. there's a lot of talk about him that he could Paul Mescal could. Oh sneak no, no, in. and like that's not and that's not to criticise his uh, his performance, which which was excellent, but it was kind of a bit nothing. You know, okay. it just struck me as a bit nothing. Interesting. Yeah, I just I liked the story behind it, and I thought the young girl is very good. I think no, she's and really the, better than they Paul, were but. very good, but it was like the story was like there was a whole lot of they left open a lot of gaps, so there's a lot of inference. Yeah, that, that something might be going on, but actually nothing might be going on. Yeah, that's kind of what. And isn't, isn't that the beauty of cinema interpretation? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, but you know. 
bit of story wouldn't do any harm. Uh, right, so what wine are, are okay. we going to uh, drink well, notes? I, I read now, this is from Bordeaux, this is the two ta- 2019 and it's called B by Fontpadet. And it's 1995, and you'll get it in Baggett Street Wines. You'll get it in Worldwide Wines in Waterford, uh, Drink Store Dublin Seven, um, Neighbourhood Wines, um, Martins and Fairview. You know, it, it, mainly independent off license. Now, Shadow Font Badet is located in Aquitaine. Um, north of a small village called Saint Lambert, and it's owned by the Peroni fa- family. And um, not pe- the beer people. No, 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 okay, no, no. Different, same name probably. Yeah, but, but you know, a good d- night d- out in yeah, Ross. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, the do- it's run by a girl called Pascal, um, who took over the running of the. Um, estate from her father Pierre now they, they've been making wine in Puyac since 1700 so like they've got a bit of experience there but the thing the key to this this is just a basic generic Bordeaux but the vineyards that the family own are located literally next door to some of the greatest wineries in Puyac namely Mouton Rothschild Chateau Le Tour Chateau Lynchbage Pichon Longueville the Baron and the Comtesse so they've got 50 year old vines um, planted very, very in close proximity to some of the great, greatest vineyards in the world. And they're making this as, as, a, as a basically um, ordinary Bordeaux. It's made from a blend of 40% Cabernet Franc, 30% Cabernet Sauvignon and 30% Merlot. And the 2019 vintage is now shaping up to be brilliant, right? That was a really, really hot summer, right? Um, one of the hottest in record overall. But it meant that there was lots of ripe fruit and this it, it, it just now looks as if this wine is going to be a huge star, right? Um, so what you have here, the first thing I noticed, just looking at it, it's quite co- a brown in colour. That means like the, 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 the development is already showing through even though it's only a four-year-old wine. And when you smell it on the nose, it's absolutely, it has all that classic Bordeaux, the cedarwood, the spice, the jammy fruit, it's this is benchmark Bordeaux, um, but this this is not one of the great you know great wines. This is just an ordinary wine. Mm, yeah, and God, the nose is amazing. As I mentioned earlier, it did win um, a platinum at decanter, but it also won uh, a silver medal medal at Concours uh, Mondial de Bruxelles. And this is a fabulous example of, of entry level Bordeaux. I'll just give you. A oh God, when you try it, yeah. Gorgeous development. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, really absolutely lovely. Soft, spicy. And isn't it funny, as you were saying, like it can be just because just your wine, is, uh, the grapes are grown down the road from where the really expensive stuff is, and it's a lot of the time just as good. Yeah, you know, or and, nearly and, as good. So, like, seriously, snap this up. Yeah. Because this is this is like this is a star. Nineteen ninety five and it genuinely tastes like a lot more. And that's you know, that's the, the that's what everybody wants when they, they want to bring a wine to a dinner party that they got for a certain price that tastes like it cost a hell of a lot more, and this one certainly does. Yeah, indeed. Uh anyway, Fanula, we're gonna talk about an actress you've heard of. Uh, uh Jean, so brace yourself. Uh, uh Goldie Hawn. Uh, uh, <laughs> another one. Oh, we're all on the flashbacks today. Yeah, all the flashbacks today. But she uh, she's been talking about when she was making the musical Chicago with Madonna. Now she was a, was she a producer on it or what was she? What was her role on? It? Well, this was the, so she was a producer and she was due to star in it. So this was fifteen years before like the Chicago that we know won Best Picture in two thousand and three. 
Uh, but this adaptation was in the works. It was herself and Madonna, as you mentioned. Uh, Goldie was supposed to be producing as well. And then Larry Gilbert was on the, uh, Gilbert, I should say, was on the script. And Broadway veteran Marty Richards was also supposed to be producing. Um, but then uh, Harvey Weinstein uh, killed it, uh, cancelled the project, went with, wanted to go with two younger female leads. Uh, and she's been talking about it this How week. surprising for her. I know. That's not like him at all. Because um, Goldie was in her 50s at the time. Uh, he commissioned a new script and Goldie's character was going to be, tw- the character was 23 years old then. So... Uh, Han went to Harvey Weinstein and was like don't F with me we made a deal so he did end up like paying her for her work but yeah never saw the light of day just interesting to think what could have been for that project Right what did she think of Harvey Weinstein? Oh well she kind of said like she, well she said after I think they'd, there'd been a conversation after it now bear in mind this is prior to like everything else uh, that uh, you know she kind of admired the fact that he did come back and stuck to his word and then she was like little did I know but also said now that he's fully living his karma so she's not like don't worry she's not like a Harvey Weinstein yeah. apologist okay. but yeah, yeah just reflecting and was talking about her own experience of when she won the Oscar when she was 24 and wasn't there for the ceremony as well she was filming in the UK at the time I think she didn't and she didn't think she was going to win so she was like asleep when she won I know that's mad isn't yeah. it and she yeah. kind of it's one of her regrets now she was like yeah. but that was 1960 something yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crikey, she was only a child at the time. 24 years old. 24 years old, First oh Oscar. my God. Right, uh, another actress you've heard of, Jean. Uh, uh, Sharon Stone. Yes. Oh, yeah, now this is really my sad. I, 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 and it looks brilliant, by Dar- the way. Oh yeah, it looks fantastic. Mm. Um, the, oh, I never knew about this. This is really sad because of that particular scene. She lost her son. Yes, uh, the scene in Basic Instinct, she's been talking about it this week. She said that judicial prejudice caused her to lose custody of her son over that scene, as he said. She was speaking on uh, the Table for Two podcast and she alleges that the role was kind of, and she's talked about this a lot because her mm. memoir came out last year as well and basically said the role was weaponized against her. Uh, she said, I lost custody of my child when the judge asked my child, my tiny little boy, do you know your mother makes sex movies? like this kind of abuse by oh, the system wow. that I was consider what kind of parent I was because I made that movie and she made the point rightly so that you have shows now where people are like regularly like very naked and like very you know like it's nearly part of the content whereas this was like a very passing scene that you know was, it was, and it was, it was a thriller and it was a very good thriller mm. basic in- instinct and I mean that, that, that kind of that scene was almost an, it was it was I don't know what it was there for to be honest with you but it was actually a great film well she maintained that she was also and she says this in her memoir that she was kind of duped into filming that that she yeah, realised yeah. she was going to be you know exposing herself in that way now the, like the director denies it and said that she liked it have, uh, that she knew it was happening but yeah very sad very very sad yeah. she's kind of having a I don't know what you'd call it, like a second act. Like she was on SNL recently when Sam Smith was performing and yeah, but just, it's just, it would never happen now, I don't think, or there would be a much wider discussion about it now for sure. Absolutely no. But it wouldn't cause the same Ferrari. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Going back to uh, talking about the room, Peter in Strand Hill in Sligo says, we're running a shite night at our house every Sunday where we play bad movies. The room only scored third with Fatal Deviation, an Irish kung fu movie in second place, and Blackbird streaks ahead in first place as the worst movie ever. All totally entertaining, though. We go up to Breeze Pub in Strandhill to discuss over pints and pizzas, uh, says Peter. That I like love that. Can I come next yeah, time, please? Yeah, that sounds like a great night, Peter. We'll do it, and it will be from your house at some stage. Right, <laughs> we'll go on to our second movie of the day. It is My Sailor, My Love. Here's a clip. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's enough. Ah, <laughs> uh, you'll have me in the morgue. <laughs> what are the old folks, Sam? What's it all, folks? Oh. 
It's it's like a place you can leave old people when they get too old. Or maybe your family's gonna wanna go on holidays or something. Like with a dog. <laughs> yeah, sort of like with a dog. Even if they don't need to leave. <laughs> oh. Howard! 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 Jesus! <laughs> Sounds like a road safety advert. Right, so uh, um, uh, what's the premise here, Esther? The premise is it's kind of about this older couple who embark on a complicated romance and what do, that does to his responsible daughter who's used to being carer and feel, you know has fallen very much into the pattern of feeling sacri- like she's given up a lot of sacrifice in her life and she's quite kind of bitter about it. She's played by uh, Catherine Walker, a really, really good performance from Catherine Walker here, actually. Um, and it's about that dynamic between families. Her her dad is played by James Cosmo and he's this kind of really kind of, he's a very dynamic but very difficult man. Mm. Um, charismatic, but cr- cranky. And we first see her visiting his house and the house is filthy. It's an, an absolute state, like... So she kind of insists that he must get a housekeeper uh, and he she puts up an ad locally and uh, Breed Brennan steps into the market and up for the job. And he kind of tries to push her away at, at the start because he's very afraid, I suppose, for reasons that are revealed quite later in the film um, of the lack of, of the loss of his independence and the potential further loss of his independence. Um, so he kind of pushes her away first, but... Breed Brennan's not for pushing and she's great here. And uh, she kind of walks off and says, well, you figure it all out then. And he realises actually he needs her more than he likes to admit. So I think then the power dynamic between them becomes a bit more equal and they start to share this bond. It's kind of initially driven by a need for companionship, but he just becomes transformed, this character, um, you know, through the course of the film because he just falls in love with her and her family. Um, and, you know, when she discovers, when he discovers that the daughter is planning to put him into a care facility, he actually pops the, the question to, not pops the question, but says, why don't you move in mm. um, and live with me so she can't get away with doing this. So it's a very, very good film, this um, in cinemas today, released by Wildcard uh, Distribution. Like a lot of Irish movies we made at the moment, Sean, it's a co-production, in this case with Finland. And mm. it's a Finnish filmmaker by the name of Klaus Harrow. So he brings that kind of Scandinavian, noirish kind of eye to the whole thing. And it's helped very much by the fact that, believe it or not, in the summer of 2021, uh, when Jenny the donkey was acting like a right diva up in Ackle, uh, demanding more than the stars of the mm-hmm. film, uh, another Irish film was also in production on Ackle Island. Ah, right, because I I, yeah. I, I, I did interview a woman who was uh, an extra on, on the Banshees and she said that she was with a group of extras. Some of them worked on Banshees and then just I, crossed over to the other side of the island to work on the other film. This is I the heard one. her actually. Ah, she was great right. fun. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is the one. So uh, Ackle, or as we should call it now, probably Hollywood, um, hosted two great Irish movies, I think, in the summer of 2021. I really, really liked this. It's um, it's dark, but it's never grim. And it rewards you with really good character-driven stuff. I liked this a lot, I have to say. It's very good. And just like McDonough, 
the 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 island looks absolutely spectacular up on screen. Okay, in, that's good. In to a, know. just a slightly more Scandi way, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting to see. To I know I I know Banshees is obviously a period film, but it's really interesting to see two different sets of eyes on the same locations and some landscapes and how different they can look. Um, I think. McDonald's film was all rainbows, wasn't it? He's, he said mm. in interviews he just wanted the place to look as beautiful as it could be. And uh, the clouds are a bit greyer now in, yes. in this one. It's yeah. a Scandi film. Uh, of course it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. OK, that sounds like a good one. Jean, before we it go, is. a few people wanting you to mention the name of the red wine you were talking about today. Um, have it straight here. It's called B by Fon Badet. F-O-N-B-A-D-E-T. It's 2019. It's 1995. Like Blackrock Cellar, Baggett Street Wines, Devonies of Dundrum, Sweeney's, um, the Grapevine in Glasnevin, the Vintry in Rathgar. It's most of the independent off-licence have it and it's absolutely super. Right. And uh, Jean Smolin did uh, uh, text a picture of those two wines earlier on, on or, or tw- a tweet a picture Tw- of those two and, wines, and I should say. Well. Uh, and one Insta as well. Oh, very modern altogether. Right. OK. Uh, I'll let Jean go to go out uh, taking pills and clubbing <laughs> later on. Uh, thanks to Fanila, Esther and Jean. Movies and booze on Moncrief. On News Talk.